Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Thrive Co-Living Communities podcast. Uh, we're here on YouTube, and we're on all of your favorite podcast stations. Uh, so today, I'm really excited to introduce to you Erica Karens. She is the Community Relations Director at Belmont Village's Senior Living. She's in Louisville, right? Yes. Or yes, Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. But they have locations all over the country. And the, the, I, I met her through a networking event, and they're doing something really unique with uh, memory care. And I thought it was, would be absolutely interesting to our audience. Uh, summer seniors, where our concept is multi-generational, but if you're not a senior, you're going to be taking care of one pretty soon. So I've, I'm sure there'll be a lot of interest. Uh, so Erica, tell us a little bit about uh, the organization, about your involvement, and, uh, and this unique approach to memory care that your uh, senior living facilities uh, promote. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to, um, you know, to be able to have this conversation and, and share a little bit more about Belmont Village and, you know, the unique uh, memory care programming that we do offer. Um, as you had mentioned, um, there are actually um, 35 Belmont villages in eight states. Um, and in Louisville, Kentucky, which is where I am, there's only one. So we, uh, we have the distinct pleasure of being the one and only in the state. Um, but anyway, just a little bit of background. Um, so our owner and founder, her name is Patricia Will. Uh, she was living in Houston with her husband and family um, and her in-laws, as well as her own parents. I, they all had grown up in Houston. Um, what happened was her mother-in-law was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. And this is a condition that happens typically to somebody in their mid to late 50s up into the mid 60s to late 60s. That would be considered early onset. Um, typically, if you're going to have a diagnosis of, an Alzheimer's, of Alzheimer's or dementia, usually you start seeing those uh, symptoms more like in the 80s, when you're in your 80s. So, uh, so early onset. Set the stage, when was this? How long ago was this that she started this? This was, but she started it in 1997. So, okay. um, you know, definitely. And we were actually, I think the St. The, the Matthews, we're in St. Matthews in Louisville. We were the third community to be built in the portfolio. So we've we've been around for 22 years. Wow. Um, but anyway, so Patricia, um, you know, her mother-in-law was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's, and um, you know, Patricia was looking for uh, a place to help out her father-in-law, who you know was still working, and it was becoming increasingly difficult for him to manage being a caregiver to her and also continuing to work and maintain a household. Um, as anybody out there knows who is a caregiver, it is an incredibly uh, difficult thing to be. It is, you know, uh, it's just exhausting. 
um, and you really can't do both successfully. So Patricia stepped in and she told her father-in-law, let me, let me check on some places that we might be able to, you know, have her go, um, you know, so that she's getting um, the care and the oversight that she needs so that, you know, as she continues to decline, she's not, you know, accidentally leaving a stove on or, you know, doing something that could, could be seriously very dangerous and, and detrimental to the to herself and, and the house and everything. So she went out looking and um, she literally could not find anything. Uh, there, I mean, there were nursing homes out there and there were other types of communities, but there was nothing out there that had um, memory care programming. So it was either a nursing home where you were sitting around in a wheelchair um, and just existing, um, you know, or, or some other more independent type living. But the bottom line is there really wasn't anything that she found that was uh, meaningful to her. So, you know, after, you know, doing this exhaustive search, um, she happened to work in the development industry and her friends one day said, uh, Patricia, you know, if you can't find what you're looking for, why don't you just, why don't you create and build your own? And she did. I mean, it's just incredible to me to think that, you know, she has this fabulous, um, you know, uh, mission and career and life that was based on a search for a, a good, you know, a good place to have her mother-in-law. And thank goodness she wasn't satisfied with the status quo of what was available. Uh, otherwise, I don't think Belmont Village would exist. So we're very, very um, happy that you know that this that she did that. So basically, she um, she consulted. I mean, as as a developer, she certainly had a lot of contacts within architecture, construction industries. So she was able to reach out to experts and really find out um, some of the, you know, really get the best architects to plan these, the community so that it would be, um, you know, friendly and accessible for seniors that may be in, you know, using walkers and wheelchairs. Um, you know, just, just little things that you and I wouldn't think of, but that for somebody who is a senior, and who may have, you know, ambulation issues, these are, you know, these are very, you know, very helpful and important to those folks. Um, so after she had done all of that, they built, they built the community right there in Houston. That's the very first one. And, um, you know, her mother-in-law did live there until she passed. Um, but that wasn't enough. Um, she still kept wondering what what am I missing? What, you know, we have people that have Alzheimer's and dementia and, you know, there are, there are some great experts in the field, but the ability to reach mass audiences is limited for, for these folks. Um, so she did a lot of research, actually three years of research and uh, talked with, um, you know, experts from Vanderbilt University, from UCLA, talked with some of the leading neurologists, um, other experts in the, in the Alzheimer's and dementia field. And 
um, through all of that research, developed this program called Circle of Friends. And it is a, um, it's actually a nationally recognized award-winning memory care program. So uh, it was actually introduced in 2007. And uh, so it basically takes uh, the, the concept of whole brain fitness um, as kind of the, the guiding factor behind the program. Um, you know, we all know that we have different lobes in our brain that control different, different functions and thoughts and things, um, you know, that, that each of us have. Um, so what she did was looked at creating programming that would stimulate or exercise each lobe of the brain. And that way, you know, I mean, everybody I'm sure is familiar with the, if you don't use it, you lose it. So that way the seniors are using these different parts of the brain in the different programs throughout the day. And therefore, um, you know, maintaining their cognitive abilities for a longer period of time. Than, than somebody who might not be in the program. Um, let, me, let me interrupt a second and ask you sure. a couple questions. Uh, first of all, uh, it sounds like she had no mental health background um, mm -mm. professionally. No. Mm -mm. Interesting. And yeah, interesting that it took someone from outside of the field, uh, even though it sounds like the field was not very far along in terms of memory care uh, specifically at that time. And that surprises me a little bit too. You would think as long as dementia and uh, Alzheimer's has been around that there would be, would have been more people working on it and having programs within facilities. Uh, well, that's not to say that there weren't programs. I mean, you know, different, different facilities, communities, skilled nursing, I'm sure they have programming. They might get a group of people together and, um, you know, have a, a, you know, roll the ball back and forth or, you know, uh, read Bible verses or, you know, things very simplified activities that a, a variety of people, you know, various, you know, cognitive levels could participate in. But we're talking there was nothing out there that was specifically addressing that whole brain fitness and making sure that each of those lobes of the brain were stimulated on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. You know, let me uh, also share an anecdote and then I'd like to get some specifics on how they, the different exercises that they use to stimulate different parts of the brain. But, um, my uh, former partner, um, her grandmother was mid 90s and her sister was also a couple of years uh, from that. They were both in a nursing home, both failing very quickly. But I remember for a, one of the birthdays, uh, they got together and the, the families came in and they used to sing at and play the piano at a USO 
uh, in Louisville, actually. And they got together and they sang songs for 30, 40 minutes and didn't miss a word, didn't miss a beat. Um, so, and I'm, I'm sure there are lots of stories like that, that from they, they lose a short-term memory, but they have those, these long-term memories, uh, memory, and uh, they were fantastic. And when they finished, they could barely converse, you know. Uh, do you see situations like that where whatever is remaining um, is incredible to, to like stand up comedy, things that would be way back there and stored. Do you have some examples of that? And then I, I'd like to hear some of the program. Sure, sure. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you are 100% correct in terms of, um, you know, as an individual progresses in the disease process, um, you know, and especially in, in clinical Alzheimer's, because as we all know, Alzheimer's is only one form of dementia. It's the most common form, but there are many, many, many other forms of dementia. So you can't always pigeonhole everything, you know, into, um, into that Alzheimer's category, because it's a very predictable disease. Um, but as they progress with the Alzheimer's, absolutely, they lose the short-term memory and, you know, they slowly go back and back and, um, you know, oftentimes they can't distinguish, you know, uh, their husband or their spouse may come in to visit them if they are in a, in a community and they think it's their father or mother or something like that. So there's a lot of... Um, confusion. Uh, but the one thing that absolutely is the very, very last thing to go is music. So mm. until the very end, um, my actually my I was talking with my aunt the other day, my grandmother uh, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's many years ago. And it was a long 10 year decline. And towards the, towards the very end, um, my aunt went in and was sitting with her and she was in a nursing home and she was completely nonverbal um, and just kind of curled up in a fetal position. And, and my aunt, they had, both, my aunt was a church musician and my grandmother was also a musician and very active in the church. And my aunt started singing, Jesus loves me to her. And she started humming along with it, right on tune. So that just shows you the, the power of the brain. And, you know, it's uh, just, you know, music. And, and I, I personally, I don't know, I'm sure there's researchers out there that could give, you know, us the clinical or, you know, logical explanation as to why music is the, is the last thing to go. I certainly don't know it, um, but I just know that, you know, there's been many, many instances. And there's a lot of musical programming in memory care units because it's, it's, it's successful for all different stages. You know, if you can't mm -hmm. reach out to each person individually, you know, into where they are cognitively, if you have a big group, you know, music is the easiest way to find that, that commonality amongst that group of people. Yeah, and they, and they share an era uh, mm -hmm. of music, Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra and all that. Speaking of dogs, mine's 
uh, <laughs> acting up. Um, so talk about some of the different activities that are specifically designed to stimulate different parts of the brain and which part of the, and if you know it, and I know, I understand you're not a clinician, but right. if you, if you do know what it's associated with, the part of the brain it's associated with, uh, give us some examples. You know, and I, um, I actually had, I had a, a sheet, a, a drawing of the brain and it was showing the different lobes and it, and I had kind of written in like kind of what, and I can't find it. So, and I don't <laughs> okay. know it by heart, but I will say that um, the, there are, um, to, to be able to build the cognitive reserve, to be able to maintain brain function, you are um, going to engage, there are six domains of mental fitness. So they are critical thinking, memory, body, movement, learn something new, step-by-step -step sequencing, long-term memory, and math and problem solving. So those are the six areas that are covered with a different activity every day with Circle of Friends. So the program goes through by a month. So there might be a, a, um, a theme for that month. And then within that theme, there are going to be daily topics. And so within that topic, you're going to have six different activities that are going to then stimulate those different areas of the brain. I mean, um, so, you know, memory body movement is going to be some sort of um, exercise or, um, you know, uh, just different. Sometimes it's, it's, doing patterns, you know, with, you know, pounding on a chair, clapping, stomping your feet, those types of things. Um, the other thing to, that's really important that I need to um, explain also, with Circle of Friends programming, there are three different circles. So there's the first circle, which would be the residents that have the highest cognitive abilities. So they would be grouped in that circle. So um, and this is to maintain, um, you know, so people don't get frustrated, upset, embarrassed. So you've got that group, you've got your middle, you've got your second circle, which is kind of like your middle of the road, moderate dementia, Alzheimer's, and then you have your lowest functioning uh, cognitive residents. And they're the ones that are most likely going to be in a secure unit um, and, and needing uh, an extremely um, kind of uh, a much simplified version of those activities in order for them to be successful and participate. So at each level, you know, the whole goal is that, uh, you know, with each, each of the different, the six different programs that they do each day, um, that they're going to be successful and they're going to, and they're going to feel that sense of accomplishment um, you know, by, by doing each of, you know, that the days, all the different programming. And, um, you know, I can't tell you the value of having somebody who has, you know, may potentially have been, you know, 
felt bad about, you know, uh, you know, their, their inability to do certain things, but when we're giving them these activities and challenges and that we know that they can accomplish that sense, that sense of accomplishment is, is wonderful. And it, it just, it absolutely does wonders. Um, one of the Are there things literally three different groups going on at the same time in a memory care unit so that or are they uh, you know, so you you've got three leaders um, of each of the groups going on all day or would a leader move from top to second to. I guess it depends on how big the population is in the memory care unit. So one of one of the um, uh, another thing I need to probably clarify is that Circle of Friends is an opportunity for those with early to moderate stage dementia and Alzheimer's to live in and amongst the regular, you know, community. So they're not in a separate area. They're not in an Alzheimer's unit. Um, they, they can choose their apartment wherever they want, you know, based upon their preferences. And, um, and so, yes, then the programming does take place. We have three, uh, with the three circles, so we have three what we call enrichment leaders. And these enrichment leaders are um, college-educated, specially trained um, to do this program with these residents, with seniors. Um, and you know, that's, it's really important because they, you know, somebody with a dementia or Alzheimer's, they need that consistency. Um, okay. Any new things can throw them off very easily. So having the same enrichment leader, you know, every day, obviously it's a seven day a week program. They do take a couple days off. So then they have, you know, the person that covers for them for, on their days off. So again, there's still that consistency. Um, the programming, go ahead. I'm sorry, each, but each um, of the Belmont villages, um, not only is uh, memory care, but it has a general population of nursing home in general as well. Is that correct? Or are they just serving um, people with Alzheimer's and dementia? No, no. Um, so it's really, we're, we are not we don't have any nursing homes. So our communities can be independent living, they can be assisted living. Um, in Kentucky, they threw in an extra level of care called personal care, which is what our community is. Um, but typically, uh, or then, you know, we, uh, we call them secure memory care units or we, it's titled the neighborhood. And, um, and that's where somebody would go if they, um, were, uh, if they were exit seeking, um, you know, and it's really for their safety or if it's a, um, uh, you know, if it's an issue of dignity where, uh, maybe the person has, has gotten to the point where they're leaving their apartment and they're only partially dressed or, you know, just things that other residents would be commenting on. Um, mm -hmm. because they may, I mean, they, you know, they may not know what this person's diagnosis is. Um, so really these, the people that are in these programs 
are like in assisted living. Um, so these are, you know, this is, if it comes, if somebody needs skilled nursing, then they have to pretty much move on to a skilled nursing facility because we are not, we are not skilled nursing. Um, we are, like I said, independent assisted personal care, memory care. Hmm. So does that make sense? Um, I, <laughs> Did I explain that? Logically, <laughs> logically it does, but I'm, I have a hard time imagining that someone with advanced stages of Alzheimer's or um, that they could be in assisted living and wouldn't need nursing home care. And I guess my initial assumption was that these were nursing homes with a general population and a memory care unit, and they were mixing in with that. So, um, so what happens when they, so they can be severe enough to be in your lower circle, but still in assisted living or just, just with some assist, mm -hmm. but basically they're living on their own and not in a nursing home. No, they're not in a nursing home. Um, the criteria, um, at least in the state of Kentucky, and it's different in every state, but the criteria for a nursing home is when a, uh, when a, a person um, can no longer ambulate in any way, shape, or form. So they're basically bed-bound. Um, I mean, and that's kind of the, I mean, that's clearly there are other things, but that's, you know, really the thing that kind of separates. So we might have residents that are, you know, pretty far along in that process, but if they're still walking with, in the, with a walker or if they're in a wheelchair and they're able to self-propel either with their feet or with their arms. Um, so if they can still, if they can still communicate, if, you know, but I mean, we have residents that need assistance you know, so we sometimes have to feed them. They have lost that ability to feed themselves. So for dignity's sake, we have them eat in their apartment and we have the caregiver that feeds them so that okay. the other residents that are in the communal dining room, you know, aren't, aren't seeing anything basically. And it's for that resident's sure. dignity. Okay. Um. So can you give some other examples of activities within those six, I can't remember the term, spheres, um, examples of activities that would stimulate those parts of the brain? And you don't have to identify the part of the brain because I know you don't have Yeah, to please. Yeah, that, I promise <laughs> if we ever do this again, I will make sure that I've got all those lobes of the brain like mm, right in front of me. <laughs> Um, so the six domains of mental fitness. Um, so as we, so critical thinking. So they, you know, they might, uh, the enrichment leader might um, lead the group in a um, discussion about, may, it could be a current event. It could be, um, you know, something, but where, she would, he or she would be asking them to, how would they respond? What would they do in this situation? So again, they're, 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 they're thinking. Um, and they're usually things that are, um, and again, you know, these are all 
the programming is all done and the in the the enrichment leaders you know uh you know teach it for lack of a better word i mean they 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 do it with the residents um it's a curriculum curriculum yeah absolutely um so it's okay. all yeah it's, so it's preset so um and it's and it's done through um a group of uh you know experts in alzheimer's dementia um, you know, that have been working on the Circle of Friends programming for years. So, um, uh, yeah, we talked about memory, body, movement, learn something new. Um, you know, that might be, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, you know, maybe it would be trying to weave, teaching them to weave. Or um, you know, you know, and again, the enrichment leaders have a pretty good knowledge of of the residents that are in their group, and they know, you know, history, background, likes, dislikes. So um, it's easy to adapt some of this stuff, you know, for for the individual resident. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, so the step by step sequencing would be um, again. All right, so you know, let's let's talk about. Do you remember when we when we would bake a cake? So, what would be the first thing that we would do if we were going to make a cake? You know, and kind of go from there, so that they right. are putting one step after the other. Um, their long-term memory is, you know, going through, and and it's a lot of. Um, a lot of historical information, um, a lot of trivia, things like that from back in the day when, you know, from back in the, you know, whatever, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, you know, that type of, of thing. Um, I bet, okay. I bet that's something that they do well because of that long, that long-term memory seems to be there. Like, Mm -hmm. Talk about your dog when you did you have a family dog? I bet they remember a lot of those things back there. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And the stories that they could tell, um, literally war stories for the mm -hmm. um, yeah. anyway, that I think I could see how that would be really interesting for the leader. It really is. And it's one of the reasons that I, you know, when I started about 10 years ago in working in the seniors industry, um, I, you know, I just, I really fell in love with it, especially at the community level, because you get to meet some really wonderful families. The, you get to meet really, really wonderful, interesting, accomplished residents. You know, these seniors have just some fabulous resumes and the accomplishments and, you know, and, and, and yes, they've got great stories to tell. And I've learned a lot, you know, just in, in the time that I've been able to spend with them. Um, you know, it's been, it's really been a, a treat. And one of the things that you mentioned in our first conversation was how the families really like, love this program and love seeing their, uh, their senior thrive. Talk a little bit about mm -hmm. that. Well, so research has shown that um, when somebody starts in with some sort of cognitive decline, 
Um, and it could be through, a, a, it could be through whether it's through a stroke, through a dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, once that level of, you know, cognitivity starts to decline, um, then apathy sets in. So they tend to kind of withdraw. Um, and I think there's a variety of reasons for that, but you know, that withdrawal um, becomes socially isolating for them. You know, they're, they're not, they don't want to go out with their friends that they've always gone out with. They don't, you know, they don't want to go to the card group. They don't want to do this or that. Um, and so when the families realize, you know, that there's something wrong um, and something that needs to be addressed, um, you know, and they come in and they see us, um, you know, we talk about the circle and, and part of that is uh, when a resident moves in, we give them uh, what is what is termed as the MOCA, which is the Montreal Cognitive Assessment. Um, I think that anybody in the industry would agree that it's probably the gold standard for, you know, for cognitive testing, not, not and it's not a day-long program. Some, sometimes you go to a neurologist and you, you know, you're there for four or five hours. You're doing all these different tasks. This is, this is a much um, more, uh, it, it, they're not gonna, they're not gonna lose their concentration, their ability to work on this. It takes about 20, 25 minutes max. Um, and it's done with our, the, the head of our, um, memory care programming. So she meets with every new resident, does a MOCA, whether they're, whether they're in circle of friends or not, um, because we like to have an idea of where that resident is cognitively and, um, you know, what sort of programming would they benefit from. So those MOCAs are done twice a year. So every six months and the, the, the tests are sent to Vanderbilt University to their geriatric programming. And what they do is they compile the data. And so they can show us with graphs and charts and all kinds of fun stuff, you know, it's proven that their cognitive abilities stay plateaued for a much longer period of time than they would if they were not actively engaged in that programming. Um, and oftentimes, uh, families will, will see an improvement in mom or dad or their aunt or uncle or whoever, um, you know, because they have been socially isolated and they've self-isolated and they're, they, so cognitively they're, you know, they haven't been using that brain. So when they get into a community and they start with the programming and um, some stuff starts to come back and the families are always like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen mom do that in, you know, in, you know, in six months or a year. And so, um, yeah, they absolutely, um, I've never had a family member say a negative word about the circle of friends programming. I mean, they all just, you know, they love it. Absolutely love it. And they see, I mean, can literally see the difference in their loved one. What about, um, and I, I know this, this much, my, both of my parents had some uh, Alzheimer's or, or dementia, I'm not sure which one, but, um, but it seems like agitation 
is one of the characteristics of this uh, oftentimes. Um, and I'm sure it's frustration with the inability to do certain things and communicate like they want to. And you, uh, it seems to, to vary based on personality types too, that, um, that people that are sort of high strung uh, often seem to be more agitated. I, I don't know, I, I haven't worked in it, but just this is just anecdotally. Does this program seem to help with that and reduce some of those, some of that ag agitation? Because I, I, I can see how it could because they are expressing themselves. They're not isolated. They're being with, they're with not necessarily clinicians, but with guides who understand and who are patient um, mm -hmm. with them. So do you see some market mark benefits uh, or um, uh, does this improve? Absolutely. Um, you know, as they continue, um, you know, and, and as long as they are actively engaged in the programming, and again, that programming, no matter what level they are at, is designed to make them successful in each and every activity. So yes, at the end of the day, they're feeling pretty good because, you know, they've, they've been told that they did great. You know, they feel a sense of accomplishment. They, you know, actively participated and engaged. So yeah, absolutely. I think that it definitely, um, you know, helps with that. Now there comes a point um, you know, as the disease progresses where, you know, uh, there's things like sundowning. Um, and that's a term that is used when somebody with an Alzheimer's or dementia um, around, like, around that four to five o'clock time frame, they start into a very anxious or agitated or, um, you know, uh, you know, sometimes they can just do things, you know, a lot of repetition, like they'll just walk up and down the hallway, up and down, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Um, sometimes they act out, um, whether it's, you know, um, you know, verbally, um, they, they might become, you know, verbally combative and, and they don't want anybody around or don't touch me or don't do this. Um, and, and that's, you know, sundowning and it manifests itself differently in, in the, in different residents. Some of them never have sundowning. Um, but that's one of the areas that we need to be, um, you know, we need to be aware of and, and who's exhibiting that and then make the appropriate corrections to, um, try and offset some of those behaviors that come along with sundowning. Is there a relationship? between the programming that you do and the amount of medication they're on. I could also see how people would not need to be as sedated or your, that your facility would be, the people there would be better equipped and maybe more willing to deal with some of these uh, enhanced behaviors, if you will. Um, and not feel the need to medicate them as much. Okay, so one one uh, thing that we need to one myth we need to dispel is that um, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I think it's pretty much you know we the days of of over medicating 
patients are, are gone. Um, the only medications that our residents receive are the medications that their physician has prescribed for them. That might be an anti-anxiety medication if they have high anxiety, but there is no medicating um, a resident. Um, I mean, I, I, think, I think the stereotypical, you know, you'd see nursing homes and you'd see uh, the patients or residents in the nursing home and they would be strapped to a wheelchair and they'd, you know, be, you know, half asleep. Yeah, that's, that's somebody who's been over-medicated in order to, you know, keep them, you know, you know, so that there's not a constant need for, you know, constant interaction. I mean, let's face it, you know, we only have so many employees and so many residents and, you know, but yeah, so there's absolutely, and that's not even, you know, if anybody's doing that, that's a big no-no. Um, it absolutely. <laughs> and I, I guess what, what I was thinking could have included that, but I meant more that they would not have as much of a need for certain uh, medications to, that's prescribed by their doctor. Uh, I would imagine that you guys uh, facilitate it, but um, that, that they, there just wouldn't be the need because they're getting more of their needs met, more interaction, that sort of thing. And, and it may not, you know, it may not correspond. Uh, it just, yeah, whatever medications they're on that their physician has prescribed for them. Now, we do have um, a, a nurse practitioner that comes into the building a minimum of once a week, if not more. We have a psychiatric nurse practitioner that comes into our community. Um, and, and those two often will do some tweaking of medications. If they see that, you know, there's um, a, a need to increase dosage, a need to decrease dosage, things like that. I mean, because yeah, a lot of, a lot of residents, um, you know, have, whether they suffer from depression, they suffer from anxiety issues, they suffer from, uh, you know, nervous disorder. Um, you know, they're just like everybody else, you know, that you need a medication to help, you know, keep you, keep your status quo, keep you on an even keel. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, as much as I would like to say, oh, yes, of course, <laughs> they don't need any medications anymore. <laughs> it's just they not Cut true. it in half in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> I appreciate your candor. Um, so you made it really clear in our, in our introductory meeting that you only offer this program in your facilities. Um, mm -hmm. And I would imagine that, there are, that as word gets out, about this, um, because it sounds like it is unique um, in your field that other facilities um, would be interested in having this programming. Uh, because, and, and pardon me for being, this is just my, my business hat um, speaking, and that is that it is one of the things that impressed me is that if you are able to, you're saying that you, that they don't, some improve, but mainly they maintain their level mm -hmm. longer, yes. that you end up keeping them longer. So it is, it is a good business decision to do this because you're keeping those residents happier and you're keeping them longer. So is there pressure from other facilities and other companies 
um, to bring you in and bring in this expertise to enhance their programming. Oh, so Circle of Friends is actually a trademarked program. And um, my understanding, I uh, have, have not spoken with Patricia Will uh, directly about this, but my understanding is that she has been approached at different times by other companies to see if, um, if she would, um, you know, license it out or franchise it. Um, and she's always said no. You know, I think that this is, you know, this is, this is such a unique program to Belmont Village. And I think that Patricia has spent so much time and energy and, and you know, in, in, in developing and creating and, and, and designing this that, um, you know, I think there's just, a, a, you know, she, it's, you know, like, it's like, you know, having, having a, an extra child, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's that precious, um, you know, and. Well, and maintaining quality and consistency uh, then becomes a problem. I'm sure it's a challenge just to maintain uh, programming consistency and quality amongst the, the facilities that you own. So I could see if you're, if you're doing it and licensing it, it could be even more difficult. What's your, what's yeah. your growth um, plan for more communities? Are you growing rapidly? Are you, do you have incremental growth? Uh, if you're not going to share it with others, uh, how fast are you building it to offer it to more people? So um, Patricia, as, as you can see, 35 communities since, you know, 97. So her growth is very strategic. Um, she has uh, certain locations where she has clusters of communities. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, then some, you know, some states that have maybe two or three communities. We've just entered the Florida market in about a year ago uh, with our first community in Fort Lauderdale, which is stunning. I mean, uh, you know, for those of us in, in the in the 22 year old buildings, <laughs> we would love to have that brand new building. Um, but no, it's it it is beautiful. But Patricia is very very. Um, she's very strategic and she's very you know um, careful. She's not about fast growth. Um, it's about quality, not quantity. So um, it's, um, you, know, I, I, you know, I have no idea what her long-term growth plans are, but I just know that historically um, it's, it's not, you know, it's not fast, not fast and furious. And you said you build all of your own buildings, that you yes. don't just come in and buy a building and rehab it, that you build all your own buildings. So yes, she, slow growth too. absolutely. She, she selects the location, um, you know, she'll select the architect, you know, the engineer, the contractors. She has a hand in the design and making sure that um, all of the Belmont Village standards are met. Um, you know, it's, I mean, she is very dedicated to quality and she is not going to put a Belmont Village 
name on something that she's not proud of and you know so it's yeah it's not fast growth um but but very very um strategic growth did you say most of them are in california is that the biggest cluster and where where are the clusters uh so there there are clusters in california um there are five communities in texas there are five communities in the chicagoland area we um of course us poor little us lonely little louisville uh building um we, there's two in tennessee there are two in georgia um one completed in florida another one under construction um and i think there might there's one in, in mexico city so yeah i'd and like to go a, visit that one yeah I bet. <laughs> maybe you can have a conference there yeah that um, would be nice um is this a family-owned corporation? I assume it's not a publicly traded company. No, it is not. It is she. It is owned privately. She is the CEO of the company. Um, recently appointed a president. Um, you know the the senior management team is effective, but not um, top-heavy. Um, it's probably one of the best-run companies that I've been associated with. Um, I mean, they have their fingers on the pulse. I've worked for companies that senior management hasn't been in, you know, involved in, in what's going on in the real world in, in years. And um, so that can be frustrating. And, you know, Belmont's not that way. They're very hands-on. Um, you know, very encouraging. Um, it's just, it's a great company. I mean, you know, I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid, you know, I, I absolutely, I love the company. Um, would hope that I can retire from this community at some point, not anytime too soon. Um, but Do you yeah, have your so. location picked out? Do you want to go to Mexico City and be in that Facility well, no, start. actually, I'm I'm going to start pushing for um, a, a location in the on the Gulf side of Florida, okay. so that um, yeah, that's that's where I would like to um, go and help open up a community and and retire from. So, <laughs> well, Patricia, if you're hearing, <laughs> I spend part of my time in Louisville and more and more in the St. Pete, uh, Florida area, and uh, it's a it's a great place uh, mm -hmm. to be the whole Tampa Bay area, but especially St. Petersburg. So I vote for that, even though I'm, I'm just on the verge of needing some of the services. So just a little bit. <laughs> I know, I doubt that. But I, I vote for St. Petersburg too. I have a, a second home in St. Petersburg. So uh, it oh, would be very right. convenient for me if they would choose that location to build a, a community. That's I would right. appreciate it very much. <laughs> okay. Well, um, is there anything that you'd like to share about your work or the work of the communities, um, the facilities that you that I haven't asked you about or that you haven't talked about? Did we I leave any stone unturned? Well, you know, um, I could probably, you know, on the various different areas and topics, I could probably go for several hours because it's a very... Um, you know, involved 
um, industry. I mean, there's just so many little pieces and parts and, um, you know, that it's, it's very complex, but um, the bottom line is here's, here's my advice to anyone out there who has a loved one that may be in early to mid stage, you know, Alzheimer's dementia and is struggling, you know, to keep them home for as long as possible, I would highly recommend that they don't do that because it can be detrimental to that person. Um, if they're not getting that daily, you know, cognitive stimulation, um, you know, uh, you know, our chef prepares three you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, we have a menu. I mean, our chef's been with us for 21 years. Um, food's great. They eat nutritious foods. A lot of times those seniors living in their homes, they, they forget to eat. Um, and I've seen it over and over. So I know that the, uh, I know that the guilt factor for people, whether it's a spouse or a parent is to, I can't, I, I can't put them someplace. Well, it's probably what's best for them, even though they might not want to go. Um, they adapt and, and they enjoy it and they thrive. So uh, I've just seen too many times where um, somebody has, has, they've passed, they have passed the assisted living and this person goes from home into a skilled nursing facility and that's, um, and that's too bad. And so also, if, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. I was just to say, and if, if anybody um, in any of those states, um, you know, that I mentioned where we have Belmont Villages, you know, uh, just, you know, Google Belmont Village and you're going to find all the specific locations. Um, you know, each community, you know, has their own um, unique style. Um, you know, it's not cookie cutter. They don't all look exactly alike. Um, they're designed very differently. So, um, and usually based upon the location of where they are. So something in the Southwest is going to look different than something here in the Midwest. Um, but What's yeah. What's the website? Um, it's just, you know, www.belmontvillage.com. So and singular, village, not villages. Yes, singular. Belmontvillage.com. Yep. And um, if anybody would like to direct uh, questions to you, can you share your email address? Yes, absolutely. So it is my first initial E and my last name, K-E-R-I-N-S at Belmontvillage.com. Right. So absolutely. Well, I'm more than happy to to talk with anybody that might be, uh, you know, having questions about, is it time? How do I do this? More than happy to, to share that information. And could direct them to their nearest facility, yes. even though you probably don't call them facilities, do you? Or probably No, they're communities. <laughs> they're communities. communities. Yes. Yep. Just like with Thrive, uh, our concept, we won't call them facilities, but so apologies, because I think I... Uh, no, that's did it a lot. That's okay. The, my first job in assisted living, um, and I'd never, you know, had never done this before. And I was talking with the executive director and I said something about facility and she goes, oh, 
<laughs> That's the F word. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. She's like, oh, we never say the F word. It's all community. <laughs> Uh, so it stuck with me. I don't ever call it a facility. It's a right. That's it. <laughs> Even when it's being built, it's probably already a community. It's already so. a community. Absolutely. <laughs> well, this has been uh, really rich. I truly appreciate you coming on and sharing about this. Um, this doesn't escape anyone, uh, all families, all income levels, uh, this is something that we all have to deal with, with our family members and eventually uh, ourselves. So I, I really appreciate you doing that, uh, taking the time to share this and um, encourage anyone to contact you or to look mm -hmm. up, uh, look you up on the website. Yeah. Uh, let me just sort of close out and thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, you probably found this on YouTube, but you can find our podcast on any of your favorite podcast stations. Um, and uh, check out our website, thrivecolivingcommunities.org. Uh, and all of our podcasts are archived there. And we have many uh, interesting people, um, just like Erica, sharing their passions, their expertise um, in all different topics. We did early on talk mainly about aspects of our concept, um, permaculture, solar energy, etc. But now we're branching out to do what we were still in the conceptual phase, but we're now branching out to do what we'll do when we have a, a facility. <laughs> and, uh, and that's to bring in interesting resources to share their, their knowledge and their passions. So tune in every other week uh, we'll post a new podcast, sign up for our podcast. And there are many ways that you can support this podcast and our efforts with the community. Um, and those will be listed in the show notes. So uh, Erica, thanks so much again. And I look forward to continued communication with you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for another great episode of the Thrive Co-Living Communities YouTube podcast. To learn more about our mission and how you can support our vision of creating co-living communities worldwide, please visit us at thrivecolivingcommunities.org. To receive advanced viewings of our podcast and other exclusive content, find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Thrive Co-Living Communities. You can also learn more ways to support our mission in the show notes below. Amazon Smile, GoFundMe, Kroger, and our own Thrive Gear store, where you can buy t-shirts, hats, and many other items. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll look forward to seeing you again soon.